Hello everyone and welcome to another beer review. Now today we're doing one of the, the big hitters. I think I did their stout not that long ago and uh, people have mentioned about the, the portrait. My glasses are absolutely manky. <sighs> Just to clean them for God's sake. I can hardly see. I've ordered new glasses by the way so that's going to be another bit of titillation when they come through. They always get new glasses on. Oh, oh, he looks even uglier. Oh, yep. That's going to be one for you. <sighs> See this gomlish chicky of a face with a new set of goggles on? There you go. You'll love that. If that doesn't put you off your breakfast on a Sunday morning, I don't know what will. But anyway, so what we're going to be doing is Fuller's London Porter. One of the big hitters. So we are a beer with a good reputation. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it's justified. Now, I did, when I did the stout, because it did say basically brewed beside the Thames since 1845. And I was thinking, is it near the Thames? Yes, it is. It's on the other side of the bloody brewery. I did check that up. In case people have been screaming at me, like, what's this moron up to? So, yes, the A4 coming from the Chiswick roundabout heading in towards kind of uh, Hammersmith, that type of area. If you go, you'll see, if you're going that, that way, if you're coming in from the Chiswick roundabout, A4 coming from the outskirts of London in towards Hammersmith in the, the centre, towards the big Tesco's at the traffic light. Um, you'll... Uh, you'll see the brewery on your right hand side well on the other side of the brewery is the Thames so there you go because I was trying to think I don't remember going past the Thames and everything else but that's because I'm actually north of the Thames at that point so yes so it is actually beside the Thames and of course it does run right along the side of the brewery so there you go they weren't lying but I just wasn't sure and I think I don't remember recalling it and I used to drive back and forward at that bloody road all the time Especially when they kept shutting the bloody M3. Oh, I can't believe that. They kept shutting because they were turning it into a smart motorway. And it was used to be coming out of London 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you think, oh shit, they've shut the motorway again. And I'm going to get and go halfway up the bloody M4. And then cut down the A34 to get back into kind of Hampshire area, past Newbury and all this kind of nonsense down towards Andover, but anyway, I'm away digressing now, but yeah, so they weren't lying, so this is the world's finest, it's 5.4%, I think this is roughly, again, I got it in Waitrose, because unfortunately I couldn't get it in the local Tesco's, I think that's had to pay full price for it in, in Waitrose, and of course it's a multiple award winning ale, it's won every award, it's got more medallions and a, and a sex craved, uh, 1970s porn star. <laughs> Denim. Anyway, but uh, yes, yeah, so what it says, rich, dark, and complex. <laughs> I could make a joke about that, but uh, I'm sure YouTube would probably shut the channel down, <laughs> so I won't. But yes, it's uh, London Porter. What does it say in the back? London Porter takes its name from the porters who carried goods around the streets of London in the 18th century. Prize-winning beer is brewed using pale, crystal, brown and chocolate malts combined with Fuggles hops, giving a rich, dark and complex flavour. London Porter boasts wonderful chocolate notes 
and a smooth, satisfying finish. And like I said, it's 5.4%, 500ml. Yes, this is usually over £2 a bottle. That's the reality. But this is roughly, but yeah, I think it was £2.49 or something like that. Waitrose were basically shafting me for it. I mean, I was looking at it, and even before I even put my hand out to pick the bottles, I could just feel the vibration of somebody gently rubbing in the Vaseline in my back passage. That's to give me a right good scene too as I picked the bottle up. So there you go. <laughs> from from the, the Griffin Brewery, yes. Um, but yes, one thing I will say about this, and again, if there's people from outside the UK, or even people inside the UK don't realise this, the reason that... Uh, you get some good stouts and porters from London. is isn't just to do with the history of it. There's a reason why these beers were brewed historically and did so well in London is because the type of water is perfect for it. The water, really hard, chalky water, is the best type of water to make these style of richer beers, especially porters and, and especially stouts, which is wonderful because... Uh, You've got Guinness is such a well-known stout. And it's quite funny because the water coming from... Because I've actually done checks on this and, and I've done my research on this. That's how sad I am. But one of the things is, with, as an example, with Guinness, which is such a well-known stout, the strange thing is that uh, the water table round about Dublin and the different reservoirs that supply these areas, including the areas where the, the Guinness is brewed in Dublin. They're actually hard water areas. They're actually quite hard water. So they do have the, the makeup to make a, a better stout by using the actual local waters from the local reservoirs that supply the different areas of Dublin. The problem is, though, the Dublin brewery actually pipes in water from the Wicklow hills or mountains, whatever you want to call it. I don't really class them as mountains, but the Irish sometimes call little hills mountains because they're, because they're daft. But, but the Wicklow hills, they actually um, pipe it in. And the problem is the water makeup is actually very soft. So they're actually using the wrong type of water for making a good stout. Now, of course, they might say, ah, but... To make a good Irish stout, we use soft water, not hard water. Well, that's why your stout's lacking in flavour and just lacking in body and, and everything else. Because the stouts and the porters you get from London are far better. But they embrace their, their natural resources a lot better and utilise them. You're not going to get a particularly good lager or a light ale out of London, but using the London water, but you will get a damn good port and a damn good stout. So that's one of the reasons why these beers were popular, because they were bloody good and they were really utilising the resources they had to the fullest. So there you go. So you've actually maybe learned something, or maybe not. So let's crack this bottle open. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. Jeremy Clarkson's got his uh, farm thing out, so... Nice porter, watching that big hairy arse galah 
plumping about fields, hurting himself. Oh, does life get any better? So let's pour it. There we go. It's looking nice. Look at that nice tanned head. Oh, yes. Oh, I can just get the smells already. The aromas are just billowing out the glass there. Oh, oh. And I've put it in a more traditional porter style glass rather than a, a standard kind of fluted pint glass. So there you go. That's what it looks like. And if people are on the podcast, I'm sorry if I keep saying that's what it looks like. You'll have to look at the YouTube videos <laughs> if you want to see what it's like. But unfortunately, you have to suffer my face at the same time. So you may be better just to stick with the podcast and just imagine it. Right. I'm getting some chocolate there. Getting that kind of chocolate bitterness. Getting malt. Yeah. Yeah. Not really getting anything coffee-like. Like you get from the stout. Because the stout was giving us a bit of, bit of coffee. This is giving us a bit more dark, bitter chocolate. And yeah, you're getting roasted malt. Uh, maybe a hint of grain. But yeah, I can see it's a nice kind of tanned head. I'm going to turn this around so I can put it in my right hand. Because I prefer drinking with my right hand. I do other things with my left hand. But I scratch my nose with it. And don't give any of your filth. So, let's see what it tastes like. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, lovely chocolate bitterness to finish. Lovely. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things you get with, well, there's two things you really get with the hard water in London for making these type of beers. Is one, it does help the body of the beer. It really does. A lot of the flavours are, are just... They hang in the water, they're suspended in the water far better during fermentation. Whereas a lot of the soft water, a lot of the suspended matter during the fermentation would sink to the bottom, which unfortunately, for the type of yeast that you're using, it's not really a bottom yeast, it's usually a kind of a, what we call a, a mid yeast that's used for doing uh, porters and stouts, and that's one of the reasons why. So. There's two things, so you get a better fermentation, which I think adds more body and just a more kind of balanced feel throughout the beer. But what it also does, it gives you this, how would you call it? Because of the chalkiness of the water, just at the very end of the aftertaste, just gives you this little slightly kind of creamy texture in the aftertaste, just as it's finishing, just as the aftertaste kind of dissipates. It's slightly kind of creamy. Almost you could probably say slightly chalky, but it's not. It's just, it's not chalky, but it, it's, it could be construed as a bit chalky, but it's actually just that kind of slightly light creaminess that you get. And it just helps just to kind of calm everything down before the next step. It's just a nice way to finish, nice calm way to finish. It doesn't just kind of drop off an edge, it just kind of dissipates. It's just that little creamy finish just before everything just goes. Oh yeah. 
Getting little hints of cherry there, just little hints of dark, dark cherry kind of flavours there. But yeah, and yeah, lovely chocolate flavours. And a nice bitterness there as well, just that, with a little bit of bitterness just lingering there on the aftertaste, and it is, it's just really nice, really, really nice. And uh, it's that type of thing where is even at basically £2.50 a bottle, if you're looking at what a lot of the craft beers, and again, people might think I'm kind of hitting on craft beers. I'm not. The problem is that I find it very difficult with craft breweries, how they try to do things and how they try to make things. That I feel they don't help themselves. That, you know, they'll put it in smaller cans, whether it's 440ml or 330ml. They'll charge you a premium for the cans. And of course, sometimes what they've made is, is almost undrinkable to a certain degree. It's just like, it's like a, a race to the bottom to some extent and you're thinking you really don't help yourself and then even when one does do not a bad beer or things and I'll be honest there is some nice craft beers out there there is but I just feel that sometimes that, that you, you made a nice beer there but then you put it in the smallest volume can you, you know like a 330ml can and then you're charging 3 pounds fifty, maybe even higher for it you're thinking seriously you're not making a product that's really attractive to normal drinkers. And if it's not going to be attractive to normal drinkers, then you're never going to get the volume of sales. I mean, there is obviously some exceptions. I mean, a good example is Brewdog. Brewdog, it's not getting huge sales, but it is getting better sales than a lot of craft breweries. But let's be totally honest, a lot of the beer is overpriced, and a lot of the beer is just utter crap. Let's be totally honest. They've made some okay beers. I wouldn't even say good beers, but I'd say they've made some okay beers. But I'm, I'm struggling because they've also made some utter rubbish. Utter rubbish that I honestly would not put... I know, I've tasted them, I've reviewed them, and I would never put them near my lips again. That's the reality of it. And then you've got traditional brewers like Fuller's who know what they're doing and uh, they'll try and do a little bit of experiment I mean the great thing is that we all thought that things were going to be affected when Asahi the Japanese brewer um, bought over Fuller's so Fuller's which is kind of traditional London brewer and, and well known, especially around the world, because you can get quite a lot of the filler products now in the US, especially London Pride. It's a lot quite easy to get London Pride. I don't know about the Porter and the Stout. Hopefully, you'll be able to get that as well. And if you are in America and you can get it, then my recommendation is give it a go, especially the Stout. But we'll soon see what this one's like once I've actually given it a score. But what I would say is that uh, Asahi has bought over Fuller's, but they haven't really interfered. They've understood, well, Fuller's are good at making certain types of beer. And they're well respected at making these types of beer. And people buy these types of beer. These types of beer are attractive to quite a lot of traditional and more mainstream drinkers. And 
Yeah. I mean, you can go into a lot of pubs, traditional pubs in London, and Fuller's is everywhere. And people are buying it and drinking it. So I think Asahi thinking, well, we'll maybe open up the beer to new markets. I think that's how they're looking to kind of expand it. Instead of trying to kind of adjust things and piss things about to make things more profitable, I think they're looking at, well, there is markets, especially in Asia, that Asahi are kind of well represented in. And I think Asahi is looking to kind of bring Fuller's kind of products into these markets as well and help promote them and, and use their kind of experience within the Asian market, which is good then because it basically means that Fuller's are going to be able to reach a different audience and a new audience from that point of view. And of course, obviously, that will obviously bring in more revenue and hopefully more profit. So I like that way of doing it, whereas a lot of breweries have been bought over by big conglomerates like Carlsberg or Heineken and they start either closing the bloody brewery and then making their big brands in other breweries and they just, just totally destroyed it. It just does not taste anything like the original. Or they piss about the recipe at the original brewery to try and make it more profitable and again what you're getting is a, is a shadow of the former beer. But at least Asahi's kind of, well, let's not piss about with fillers and what they're making because what they're making is damn good. Let's find new markets for uh, the fuller's products and things like that. So I think that's a good idea and I think that's actually worked quite well because I think a lot of people, especially in London, were quite worried when Asahi basically took over fuller's thinking, what's going to be the kind of fallout from this? And uh, most people thought, well, it's probably not going to be positive. But for just now, anyway, um, it's uh, everything stays the same. So from that point of view, that's a good thing. And it's good that these types of beers are being left alone just to be the type of beers they're supposed to be. So let's break down the flavours. Right, you're starting off, you're getting really dark roasted malts. So you are, you're getting at the front of the mouth. Some good dark roasted malts, and that's bringing in just really starting to get a hint of chocolate coming through there. You've also got a little bit of malty sweetness there. Maybe it's slightly kind of molasses, kind of uh, burnt sugar kind of flavours in the, the front of the mouth. But you're just getting these little accents of bitterness and, and chocolate. These develop in the mid-tongue. And yes, you're getting some really lovely kind of bitter chocolate tones in the mid-tongue that are lovely. They are still balanced out with that little kind of molasses, kind of malty sweetness, but it's that kind of more molasses-based malty sweetness rather than a direct malty sweetness. So there isn't a kind of, you know, chalk and cheese kind of thing going on. You've got the molasses is bringing a little bit of bitterness to it as well. And it just is, it's just, how would you say it's... Uh, it's nicely balanced, but they're working together. You've got this kind of nice kind of, almost slightly kind of velvety. It really is. It's just how the flavors kind of work together and merge together. It is, it's very smooth, very velvety in the mid-tongue. And it is, it's an absolute pleasure. Mouth feels lovely. Mid-tongue's an absolute pleasure. The, 
the front of the mouth, it's like a wake-up call. You take a sip and you're like, oh, let's see this beer here. Plenty of flavour and plenty of identifiable flavours. Because that's a lot of times you can get beer, especially with this type of thing, that a lot of flavours are mixed and matching. And yes, you're getting this barrage of different flavours, but it's hard to pinpoint them and identify the individual flavours because they're all so mixed and matched. So very clear very clean from that point of view is you can identify the different flavours very easily but they are all working together as well it just is it just is so velvety and the kind of mid tongue is just lovely then it moves on to the aftertaste now this is the party piece moves on to the kind of uh, the aftertaste now, out of the kind of chocolate bitterness, you lose some of that chocolate. And that chocolate kind of dissipates in the aftertaste. You've still got the bitterness, and that bitterness will linger. And it's one of the last flavours you've kind of got in the aftertaste is this chocolate bitterness. But what it does is, as the chocolate flavour kind of dissipates, in the aftertaste and you still get this kind of slight molasses sweetness in the aftertaste as well but what you are getting is just little accents of dark cherry as if like they're hiding behind the chocolate kind of uh, flavor the dark chocolate flavor and as the dark chocolate flavor kind of dissipates in the aftertaste the cherry accents are just the dark cherry accent just sitting right behind it and it's just there lovely and it just gives another dimension to the aftertaste and it's something new and then of course it still works well with this kind of bitterness and then of course eventually the molasses kind of sweetness dissipates the cherry accents dissipate and like i said you just get a slightly kind of creaminess just as the flavor starts to dissipate just gets kind of slightly creamy sensation just at the end and then you just have this light lingering bitterness. And it's like, it's, how would you say, it's like kind of little pockets of bitterness that just linger at the back of the tongue. And uh, yeah, really nice. Nicely balanced, well brewed. Flavours, there's bags of flavours in it. I'll be totally honest, there's bags of flavours there. And uh, they all work together, but they're clean and you can identify them very easily. And I, I like that. You don't have to go search and think, oh, what's that flavour? No, it, it's quite obvious from that point of view. So, mm. so, what would I give this out of 10? Well, if you like porters, you're going to like this. That's the honest answer. If you like porters and you like proper stouts, if, if you're a Guinness drinker and more that kind of the trained stout drinkers, then you might struggle with this because it's maybe a bit too strong in the flavour front for you. And uh, you might struggle with this. But if you do like good, strong flavoured beers, kind of good traditional porters and good traditional English and London stouts, then yeah, this is going to be right up your street. And I would recommend it. And I think, yeah, if you bought it, you would enjoy it from that point of view. Um, and on that basis, just because of the flavour,
flavor, the, just the whole package. I would probably say yes, obviously, uh, being a Scotsman, I would probably love the, the price to be a bit lower and things like that. And of course, it probably would be another um, supermarket, but I am buying it in a more kind of premium price um, supermarket. So I would probably expect it to be less than the £2.50 that I was paying. But you've also got to be honest that you can't put this type of beer below £2 and get the same type of beer. If this was being sold for £2, then I don't think I'd be drinking this type, this beer and tasting these flavours. They would be some sort of sacrifice to quality and flavour from that point of view. So I'm not going to look, knock price off of that because I think you need to have a price point of over £2 to kind of cover the production cost to make this kind of quality beer. So on that, out of 10, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And yeah, I would recommend it. If you're into these type of beers, you're going to enjoy it. Give it a go, buy it, and have a good night in with it. I mean, I think it would be really great. And of course, the type of weather we're getting just now, because we're in February, mid-February, the, the days are still quite short. It's getting dark still quite early, not as early, obviously as early as, as it was, but it's still a good beer for sitting of an evening, get the fire on, or take your underwear off the, the radiators and let a bit more heat get to you, um, <laughs> and, and enjoy a few glasses of it, because I, I think, yeah. It's one of these kind of rewards if you had a, a crappy week or a hard week at work and you just want to kind of relax. It's a good Friday night, you know, just waste off to bed. Got the living room to myself. Yeah, I'm going to have a, a nice porter or something or a nice stout. I think it's just the perfect time just to have a couple of dark beers and just kind of reflect on the week and just kind of relax and just. Give yourself the rewards you deserve. And drinking these type of beers is kind of giving you that type of kind of uh, reward. It's kind of acknowledgement. Well, it wasn't an easy week, but we got through it. And yeah, yeah that's my reward. And yeah, I, I appreciate the, the simple things in life and the little things. Because I say to the wife, I appreciate the simple things in life. And that's my marriage. Um, <laughs> yeah, she likes that joke. Not... But yeah, I would definitely say that, yeah, it's, it's a good beer. Eight and a half out of ten. Definitely would recommend it. What are you waiting for? No, but <laughs> go, go and get some if you can. And if you're outside of the UK, it's not so hard to get Fuller's products in Europe. And it's becoming a lot easier to get them in America as well. And I think in the future it's going to be the same in a lot of different Asian markets as well. You're going to get them. I don't know about Australia. I don't know how that's going to work. But I know Asahi makes quite a lot of different beers that they sell in Australia. So they maybe will start to promote more of the fullest products in Australia as well. So again, that's something to look forward to. So it's, it's quite good from that point of view. Because sometimes that I'm reviewing local beers or beers in the UK that a lot of 
viewers that are never going to get a, a chance to taste them just because they're just not available in, in their kind of local market and that's disappointing sometimes especially if you come across a good beer and you're promoting it and unfortunately there's nothing worse if I was listening to a review thinking oh that sounds like a really good beer and he's giving it a good mark and he's recommending it and I can't get it for loving or money in my kind of country or local market yeah that's a bit of a pisser that is that's a kind of a bit of a downer so I can understand that but yeah this is one of the beers that should be a lot easier to get hold of uh, in different markets around the world so yeah eight and a half out of ten thanks for watching cheers and bye for now